Are we recording already? We are recording. Oh, okay. I was just singing a little Jackie Moon to myself. Excellent. Tell me you know who Jackie Moon is. Let's just keep on with the podcast. What do you say? Feeling kind of sleepy. Really in alert. It's reminiscent of all the times that I fell asleep in church. Well, hey there, listeners. After an extended away, I think we're back. Welcome to the Second Pop Podcast. I am here in Trinity Recording Studio with... Caleb Spiker. My name's Serena Wolf. Today, we are going to talk about the general rules of the United Societies. I'm excited. Let's go. All right, Caleb. Yesterday, you gave a great sermon on the general rules of the United Societies. Mm. Um, we at Trinity are learning about our Wesleyan heritage, and uh, the general rules are out there. They're actually still a part of the doctrine and discipline of the United Methodist Church. And uh, if you, listeners, well, they're historical well, documents, but yeah. hey, man, they're still in there. We're I, still supposed to abide by them, but we'll true. get to that yeah. here in a minute. Uh, if you, listener, receive Trinity's weekly scripture readings, there is a link to the rules in that email. Uh, but if you don't get that, that's okay. When we post this podcast on social and when we uh, put it out there on podcast uh, apps, there will be a link to these. Um, so essentially, the three rules are do no harm, do good, attend to the ordinances of God. Yes. All right. So, Caleb, as I was listening to you yesterday and thinking about, you know, the general rules after, I have three questions for you today. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Question number one, Caleb. The general rules have often been reinterpreted in the current United Methodist Church. I don't know if you've seen this or not. Mm -hmm. um, the first two usually stay the same, right? Do no harm, do good. But it's that last one that sometimes changes. Um, I've heard people say, stay in love with God. I've heard, unfortunately, no, I've read, uh, communicate the love of God. So, what in your mind would be the difference between saying, stay in love with God and attend to the ordinances? Is there a difference? So, about 15 years ago, uh, Bishop Reuben Job wrote three simple rules, um, which is essentially a pretty short, easy read um, where he kind of expounds upon the general rules. Um, and he was the first person who, at least popularly, um, shifted from attend upon the ordinances of God to stay in love with God. Um, and when you read what he says, like, I, I, I truly think Bishop Job was just trying to make it more accessible. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, attend upon the ordinances of God not the way not we tend to talk. Right, yeah. right. 
because um, I mean, you read his book, and you know what he means by that are things like, um, you know, daily time of prayer, uh, reflection, study of scripture, participation in the life of a Christian community, um, regular participation in the Lord's Supper, doing some acts of goodness and mercy, taking opportunities to share and learn with others who are also seeking to follow the way of Jesus. You know, so I mean, pretty much in line with with Wesley's third rule. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, interestingly enough, he takes out fasting and abstinence. But yeah, um, that is interesting. But uh, I mean, like I, I think in in general, we're talking about the same thing. Um, personally, I prefer the language of ordinances because even though it's not a word we tend to use often, I think it gives a better. Um, it gives greater clarity into um, the the method um, because I mean this is this is why we're called Methodists, right? Is that we believe there is a system that if we put into place and if we are consistent with it, that will lead to spiritual growth. That will lead to growing in self-control and lead to growing in perseverance and lead to growing in, you know, love for our neighbors and lead to growing in, um, you know, affection for other Christians and lead to growing to being perfected in love. Um, and I think if, if we, you know, this language of just staying in love with God um, because we live in a culture that has some pretty misguided ideas about love mm-hmm. and that love is something that is um, very much in the eye of the beholder, mm-hmm. if you will, um, it shifts sort of the focus from here are steps in obedience that one can take to, um, to deepen their relationship with God and grow in Christlikeness to this more ethereal, mm-hmm. you know. Of course I love Jesus. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so, like I, I, like I said, I don't think Bishop Job intended that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think he very much was just trying to make it more accessible. Uh, but I think in, in the process, what, we're, what we've seen in United Methodism in the last 15 years is... Um, has been a little bit what Wesley was railing against in Anglicanism, yeah. you know, two hundred fifty years ago. Um, that instead of having intentionality and fervor towards um, growing towards Christian perfection, uh, we just sort of assume it's going to happen organically, um, which is historically not the way it happens. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, just so our listeners know, because you mentioned some of the ordinances yesterday in the sermon, um, the general rules actually list six. And my understanding of an ordinance is not just that Wesley thought this was a good idea, but that all of these practices are grounded in scripture. Yep. So uh, we have the public worship of God, which is, you know, done traditionally among Christians on Sunday morning. 
perhaps Saturday evening. Uh, but that means you're in church. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and for Wesley, it meant not just Sunday morning or Saturday evening, but also you know, showing up for common prayer time. Yep, yep. So. Uh, the ministry of the Word, either read or expounded. So we're listening to somebody preach um, or teach from Scripture. The Supper of the Lord, which is communion. Mm-hmm. Uh, family and private prayer. Searching the scriptures, which is reading the scriptures for ourselves regularly, and fasting or abstinence. Um, So, yeah. All right. Thank you for your insight on the difference between staying in love with God and keeping the ordinances. Uh, By the way, I mentioned already our weekly scripture reading, but the book that I often take that from or that I often use to send that out to Trinity, uh, is by Bishop Job. Oh, good. So a lot of it, uh, every week there's a like a long reflection for the beginning of the week, and he's written that. So I've quoted him many times in our, in our uh, emails. All right, so my second question. So these rules for the general, or for the United Societies, the general, the general rules, um, they definitely apply to us as individuals. But what about us as faith communities? So as I read this, and I, you know, in light of our context, especially within our conference um, of the, you know, the West Ohio Conference, there's been a lot of focus on racial reconciliation. Um, So... Are these, do you think that these things are related where they intended to be? What, is there a connection in your head or do you think, um, yeah, let's talk about that, Caleb. So if I'm understanding what you're asking, um, I think the first answer would be Wesley would not want to lump the two together. Um, mm. I think because Wesley is talking about the standards for someone who wants to be part of the community. Right. Um, not the standards that, that the community operates by collectively. Right. Um, if, if splitting that hair makes sense. So um, like we think about this, this idea of do no harm. And as Wesley gives a wider explanation of everything that could cause harm, it's all personal stuff. Yes, it is. Um, and one of them is, hey, don't own slaves. Yep. <laughs> right? Um, so uh, my assumption is that that Wesley would make the argument that if the members of the society are keeping the general rules individually, then the society's operation would naturally mm-hmm. um, flow out in that way. Yeah, makes sense to me. Um, now, as far as, you know, do we, um, do we as a church or as a, you know, city or community or society or whoever you want to look at it, um, do we have some sort of 
obligation to extend that. Um, maybe. Like, I, again, it's uh, one of the... One of the difficult um, pieces of interpretation is you have scripture that's written in a collectivist society mm-hmm. where you know there are individual decisions that need to be made, but everyone is already thinking about their decisions in terms of how it will affect the bigger group that they're part of. Right. Um, and Wesley is writing at a time of cultural revolution towards individualism in the West. Um, you know, like he's a contemporary with the American Revolution, yep. right? He's a contemporary with the French Revolution. This idea that the individual is the only true minority in any state. Um, and, you know, it's, it's hard to... Because, because Wesley is flowing the collectivist ideas of the Bible and interpreting them for a individualist zeitgeist. Um, so trying to uh, reverse that flow and say, you know, what, what the Christian communities in the second century we're thinking in terms of collectivist. Here's how we can think about it in terms of the individual. Hmm. Like, I think Wesley would just be like, if you want to talk collectivism, just go back and read the book of Acts. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think he would be interested in saying, um, you know, okay, I reinterpreted them. I want you to reinterpret me back to like, yeah. I, I think he, he would see that as a, a waste of time. And probably kind of vain. Mm. Ooh, yeah. Good. Yeah, I... Um... Now, does that mean that we should not be seeking to uh, tear down systematic structures of racism and oppression? Of course not, right? Like, yep. um, you know, I, I would say back to this idea of what does it mean personally to do no harm um, and to do good, like both of these, right? Like one... Like, let's not perpetuate systems that, uh, you know, marginalize black and brown bodies. Right. And two, you know, let's figure out ways to, um, you know, create a more just and loving and kind society. Um, But as far as trying to extrapolate the general rules into a roadmap for... Uh, making decisions as a collective body. I don't think Wesley would be interested in that. Yeah. Well, and I often wonder if we don't, you know, there's a lot of focus, and I'm not saying that there shouldn't be focus, but there is a lot of focus on um, the anti-racist movement in our conference right now. Probably not just our conference, probably all conferences. Yeah, if you watch the Council of Bishops meeting... Like the first day was just them patting each other on the back for how anti-racist they're all being. Yeah, yeah. But um, I worry that as we um, think about those things and consider anti-racism and enact um, 
principles of that in our lives that people might be uh, neglecting some of the other aspects of what it means to be holy. So, yeah. Well, and, um, you know, I, I th- my sense is that um, Wesley... Wesley would, I don't know if he would outright reject anti-racism, but he would be very dubious of, you know, this movement away from viewing individuals as individuals Mm -hmm. and instead boiling everyone's identity down to skin color. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, let's be clear, though. Like, Wesley was an abolitionist yes. before almost any American. <laughs> like, yep. Yep. Um, I mean, England was ahead of the curve on this, and Wesley was an abolitionist from the beginning. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so, I mean, it, 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 again, and this is, like, this is the, this is one of the problems we have with the, the world we live in right now, is it's like you have a particular method for um, talking about tearing down structures of oppression. Mm-hmm. And it has given itself the name anti-racism. There are other methods mm-hmm. that people can prefer, can think make more sense, can think are less destructive to um, the individual and to the community and whatever. We can agree on a problem and not necessarily agree on a solution. Yep. Um, and I think that it's any, anyway. Um, but you know, you know what does work? You know what system does work? I think. Attained upon the ordinances of God. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. All right. Wesley would too. All right. So, uh, let's see. I have one last question. Um, so we, I listed all the ordinances that are there, um, and you mentioned them yesterday. So we have these ordinances. Where do you think we got off track? Like, where do you think we, I mean, people will say, oh, I pray every day, right? Okay, that's good. Uh, I go to church as often as I can, which might be a couple of times a month, um, you know, oh, well, we as a church take communion one Sunday a month. And then, like like you were talking, Bishop Job doesn't even mention fasting and abstinence. Like, where do you think we, we got derailed, and how do you think we can get back? Um, this is a big question. So, so I would make the argument um, that you know, Kevin Watson and Scott Kisker make, that we got derailed when the accountable discipleship group discipleship group ceased being the central the central you know unit of methodism mm-hmm. um, because without a community that covenants together to hold each other accountable towards spiritual growth and transformation um, i think it's darn near impossible to not move towards um, making things easier and simpler and less costly. Um, so, you know, 
prayer, especially if we're being vague, is a mm. pretty low cost, mm-hmm. low commitment sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even reading the Bible, if we're being vague, can be a pretty low cost, low commitment sort of thing. Um, you yeah. know, going to an hour of worship 1.6 times a month is a pretty low cost, low commitment sort of thing. Um, but when we talk about the uh, something like fasting, um, when we talk about something like abstaining from something for the purpose of um, you know, growing in our dependence on God, um, these are these are higher commitment sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we're part of an accountable discipleship group, we see that all of the ordinances are high commitment sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Because in an accountable discipleship group, like, you know, when the question is, how did God speak to you this week, like through your prayer life? Um, you know, praying, now I lay me before bed, you know, or singing, uh, thank you God for giving us food, you know, before lunch. <laughs> Um, you know, doesn't quite cut it, right? Like, right. like we were talking about, what does it look like um, that this this pattern of prayer in our lives is leading to transformation? It's leading to uh, God working in you know specific ways to to make us more like Jesus. Um, even even scripture reading, right? Like, um, if if we are in an accountable discipleship group and we're saying, you know. How goes it with your soul? Um, you know, you can't answer that question. Well, I had a pretty good week. Nothing really wrong happened. It's like no, because because the leader has to have the courage to say, "Okay, that didn't answer the question." You know, tell us about your prayer life. Tell us about what you're studying. You know, tell us about you know an opportunity you had to to bless someone else. Tell us about, you know, overcoming sin this week, right? Um, You know, and this is, uh, for those of you who are considering being a part of an accountable discipleship group, um, believe me, it is better to go ahead and share how goes it with your soul because the follow-up question, if you try to skirt it, is going to be more specific and, Mm -hmm. you know... may make it so, you know, you find yourself sharing something that, that you weren't planning on, um, which is, is a good thing, right? Like we, yep. we need to have that, that capacity to be, to be honest and to, um, and to, you know, allow God to work, uh, in us through the life of the group together. Um, there, there are some very specific questions that Wesley used for self-examination that people would have like drawn from in the class meeting. Um, and just so people know the specific questions that may come up, I'm not going to read. There are 22 listed here. I'm not going to read all of those. Um, 
am I creating the impression that I'm better than I really am? Hello, social media. Am I honest? Uh, can I be trusted? Let's see. Did the Bible live in me today? Do I give it time to speak to me every day? That's very different than, right? Very different than, you know, reading Upper Room at yeah. breakfast and yeah. not thinking about it anymore. Yeah. Uh, am I enjoying prayer? Whew. When did I last speak to someone about my faith? Do I pray about the money I spend? I love this one. Do I get to bed on time and get up on time? <laughs> um, do I disobey God in anything? Let's see. Am I defeated in any part of my life? Hmm. I, like, I like this question. I hate this question, but it's a good question. Am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchy, or distrustful? Because today, like, if you are, and I, I'm speaking from my own experience, right? Like, if I become sarcastic or irritable or, you know, if I speak unkindly, like, that's seen as being authentic, <laughs> right? Because I'm being mm -hmm. real. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, how do I spend my spare time? Uh, is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold a resentment toward, or disregard? And if so, what am I doing about it? Do I grumble or complain constantly? Yeah, like these, these are uncomfortable questions to answer in a group. Yeah. Yeah, I think because um, we are... We will be talking about holiness in two weeks, mm -hmm. um, and we're going to figure out some sort of neat handout that you can take home with you here in two weeks with these questions and have that become part of, um, you know, actually, maybe what we'll do is we'll just go ahead and we will add nine more good ones, and you can have one each day of the month. Ooh, to excellent. use as part of part of your um, devotional time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then you know, there are class meetings and people who were like earnestly pursuing holiness, earnestly pursuing Christian perfection, uh, went deeper into bands. Oh, yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I started. I had my first band meeting this past week. How'd that go? It was terrifying. I bet. And I was with people I love. And I had to confess my sins. It was terrifying. Anyway, I, I started. I went first because I would chicken out if I didn't. And I confessed my sins. And I listened to these other two women. And, like, when we were done, I wasn't terrified anymore. Like, I realized that my affection for these two women had not changed. Hmm. And that God's affection for us and God's grace and mercy was no different than when we walked in the room. And it was, it was huge. It was huge. Hmm. So anyway, I am pro class meetings and bands. We call it accountable discipleship, discipleship group. I mean, this is, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, and, you know, kind of getting back to this idea that, that, one of the ways that United Methodism has failed to be Methodist is that we have relegated the general rules to his history. Mm -hmm. um, they don't officially orient our lives together. 
um, accountable discipleship doesn't officially orient our lives together. Um, right. And my hope is that, that going forward, we reclaim that, right? Like, no matter what the, how the split turns out, like what the, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in being in a church where we are committed to moving together towards holiness. Yep. Um, where we understand that we, you know, this, that this isn't, uh, you know, this isn't boxing or tennis, right? Like we aren't all alone in this, but that, that we are, um, that we're on a team. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we each have our own race to run too, but you know, we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses and blessed with the church, so we can be in it together and helping each other. Not gonna lie, I'm pretty excited. Me too. I think we've we, we may actually have a energy drink that actually might possibly taste like Mountain Dew. I know. It'll probably taste like Full Test, so it'll probably be thicker than my preference, but it'll still be dewy. Yeah. So, uh, listeners, today we are drinking Mountain Dew Amp Energy Drink Original. The can is green. There is a lime on it. Mountain Dew logo. At the top it says caffeine and B vitamins. Uh, 200 cal- 220 calories per A lot serving. of sugar. Yeah, a lot of a sugar lot in this. A lot of sugar. 58. It even tells you 116% of the daily value recommended. Wait a second. The caffeine content is no different than... I think this is just a 16-ounce can of full-test Mountain Dew. Because that's 91 milligrams per 12-fluid ounces. What is full-test Mountain Dew? I don't know this. It's just you mean non-diet, like... non-Mountain Dew zero. Okay. Okay, zero. so you you think this is just straight-up Mountain Dew? <laughs> I, I mean... But it has B vitamins in it. I think that's probably the difference. Okay. I don't think your standard Mountain Dew has B vitamins. So um, so here's the deal. Um, I'm probably not going to drink all of this because that's a heck of a lot of sugar, and this 44-year-old body don't need that much sugar. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right. <laughs> Ooh, the, the tab is lime green. That's cute. Oh, Oh, it smells like a vitamin uh, bottle. I'm watching Caleb take the first drink. I get a feeling that we like Mountain Dew Rise better. I mean, it 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 tastes like hmm. Mountain sli- Dew and vitamins. Yeah, exactly. Tastes like full test with, you know. A little bit of, a little bit of Flintstones chewables crushed up. In uh, it. Yeah, I taste a lot of Flintstones chewable. Oh, and that is sweet. Holy cow! So I don't drink a lot of soda. Um, oh my gosh, that is a lot of sugar. It's delicious. I could do without the Flintstones chewables. But it's still delicious. But then it would just be straight up Mountain Dew, right? Is that what you think? I'm, I think that's exactly what, like, yeah. like I, I mean, judging, 
and it's probably a problem that I'm as familiar with the nutrition facts on a can of full test Mountain Dew as I am. But, mm. you know, like this is, this is one and a half times what a can of full test is on all of these factors. Mm. Plus some Flintstone-y stuff on top. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't love it. I'd rather drink Mountain Dew Rise. Um, I mean, I, yeah. I prefer this flavor to orange. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I don't prefer it 205 calories more per 16 ounces. Yeah. So, yeah. That's the problem for I, me. Yeah. I think that orange Mountain Dew Rise is still at the top of the mountain. I have to agree. So, so listeners, so far. But this is by far the best tasting, uh, you know, sugar added energy yes. drink that we've yes, had. Yes, it is. It's not even close. Yeah, because um, wasn't isn't Bang Bang's not sugar free? Um, Nos and Monster. Nos and Monster. Oh, I didn't like Monster. I don't think we're both pretty pretty, pretty high, high sugar. sugar. So Bang is sugar free and yet so disgustingly sweet. Yeah, one of yeah. those, I think it was NOS, that I was like, ugh, this leaves like a coating. It yeah. was, yeah, that was the purple one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think the purple ones have been sugary to this point. But All right. Yeah, I'm going to say this is, this is this, if you want a energy drink with sugar, I mean, yeah, really, is... really, you're best off just getting a can of regular Mountain Dew and taking a Flintstone chewable alongside it so yeah. that they aren't, you know, fighting each other. Or, or you know, just uh, just swallow some some uh, B supplements because yeah. that's that's really what this is. This has got uh, a lot of riboflavin. Is that how you pronounce that? Sure. A lot of niacin. Vitamin B six, vitamin B twelve, and pantothenic acid. Pantothenic acid. Pantothenic uh, acid. We looked into that like oh, a week ago. We did. I I had forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, vitamin B. I think that's all that that was. <clears throat> Excuse me, listeners. All right. Yeah, so vitamin um, B five. Pantothenic acid is vitamin B5. B5. All right. Then Excellent. B6, B12. Yeah. Riboflavin, I think, is B4. Yeah. All the Bs. All the Bs. All right. Uh, next week, I'm more excited. Next week, I'm going to bring in a treat mm. for us. We're going to get our caffeine in a different format. And I can't wait. It's an intravenous? So, no. No. Better it's, not be suppository. Not. <laughs> Trust me. I, uh, I have zero desire to uh yeah no it, it won't be it won't be no thanks we're not going to review anything like that gross thank you yes that's <laughs> oh, wow <laughs> we, are, we are on the same page wesley would be quite disappointed in us for that sidetrack i mean maybe yeah like you know, maybe not i mean you, you know. know he he's so so wesley was a pretty um an interesting guy who lived an interesting life, right? He was. Like, 
he went to Georgia before the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. So back in like the 1730s, 1740, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, was smitten with a woman named Sophie Hopke. <sighs> Poor Sophie. No, 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 no. Sophie, Sophie is not faultless in this whole scenario, right? So, But she didn't deserve what Wesley ultimately did. I... Again, wait until you hear like how this thing finished, because like this is a so so John Wesley, Sophie Hopke, they're an item. Um, they, were they are, an item? yeah, okay. they were engaged. Um, you know, Wesley uh, was engaged to Hopke. Um, he went on another uh, preaching tour. Um, because he didn't set a wedding date before leaving on that preaching tour, when he came back, she was married to someone else. Oh snap! Yeah, someone How else did had I come miss in. This part of it because the slanderous uh, millennials who like to do revisionist history on John Wesley, you know, want to make him out to be a terrible dude. Well, no, so, but here's the thing. Like, if if she was married when he got back because he didn't set a wedding date, why didn't the dude just set a wedding date before he left? She probably asked him to. It's anyway. unclear. Anyway, go ahead. So she's married when he gets back. Yeah. So in his mind, that is a breach of contract within the community. So he won't let her take communion when he gets back. And her husband says, you cannot defame my wife like that. And uh, got him arrested. Yes, that I, well, they they were going to arrest him. No, he he was arrested. Was he arrested? He was arrested. Man, Uh, I've got this story all wrong. He got out on bail, went and got on a boat and went back to England. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because he didn't, yeah. He left before he could stand trial. Yeah. Which, I mean, again, like, okay, so the story's a little different than I was remembering. I wasn't taught by a millennial, so I think my mind was just not remembering it correctly because in my head, it was, really, Wesley, you withheld communion? That was dumb. Um, But, you know... I still think it was dumb. That was a dumb move on his part. That was not good pastoral care. Well, he he had a he had a pretty tenuous relationship with relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he finally did get married. Oh, it was not good. It was not good. He was a terrible spouse. So, well, okay. He so here's here's the thing. He shouldn't have gotten married in the first place. Exactly. Right? Um, because, like, by the time he was married, he was 48, mm-hmm. and he was set in his circuit. He yep. wasn't interested in settling down and having a family life, unlike right. Charles Wesley, right? Like, like... And John didn't want Charles to get married. Yeah, because when Charles got married, um, you know, the, the, the writings of the time, you know... Um, I think there's a, a correspondence between Wesley and Whitfield where they essentially say, since Charles gotten, has gotten married, he's useless. Mm-hmm. Like, he just wants to spend time with his family. He's, he's lost his, his 
for, for uh, his eye of the tiger, right? Like he, yeah. he's, he's no longer deeply committed to the mission. Um, you know, so Wesley got married kind of out of obligation and it was a train wreck. Yeah, it really was. Because he wanted to be out in the fields preaching. Um, you know, so, so he wrote, uh, two editions, um, of, uh, a short book on marriage. In the first edition, he wrote in his early forties where he said, oh, marriage is good. Like, you know, if you can get married, you should get married. It's, you know, it's, it's one of the ways that, you know, that, that, you know, God's grace is poured out on people and whatever. Um, but then in the second edition, which he wrote in his early fifties, he said, it's better to just remain single. <laughs> um, well, you know, which is a, I mean, it's, it's in, it, um, you know, like it, it's not like Wesley is alone in this, right? Like you look at, uh, the, um, so A.W. Tozer, mm-hmm. his, uh, after he died, his wife got remarried, mm-hmm. um, and and her comment was, "Aldous loved the Lord," which is Tozer. Mm-hmm. Um, but my current husband loves me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And really, in the married life, like those two things should not be should not be separated. Well, and I think yeah. that's that's one of the. Um, that's one of the difficulties, right? Like this yep. is, this is where, you know, Protestantism and Catholicism differ on, you know, what is that proper balance? Um, you know, because like the reality is that families take up a huge chunk of time, yes. um, that can be used in other kinds of service. Like that's just, just true. Um, but it's also true that God's grace is poured out through the family life that, you know, oftentimes doesn't happen outside of it. Right. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's, uh, like there are, there are many and it's fascinating just the number of like majorly influential Christian thinkers who deeply struggled with sex and relationships. Mm. Like it is, you know, like it, it is, it is not like we have these, you know, celebrity pastors who are, mm-hmm. you know, failing. Um, That's not just about sex though. Let's be honest. That's about a whole yeah, bunch of things. But I, it's, I'm just saying like, this isn't yeah. a new phenomenon. No. Huh? Right. Like, no. you know, like you think about John Howard Yoder and Jean Vanier. I mean, these are the people who are more recent, but like even and back both to, still break my heart. Breaks my yeah. heart. But yeah. I mean, like it's it is not a new phenomena. You know, Wesley couldn't figure this stuff out. Um, by all accounts, Jonathan Edwards couldn't really figure this stuff out. Tozer couldn't figure this stuff out. C.S. Lewis couldn't figure this stuff out. Um, there's just a, for whatever reason, there is a long line in history of 
people who are influential in Christian thought who struggled with relationships in sometimes pretty painful ways. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was that was enlightening and interesting. And a little dark. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, the caffeine balances it out. Yeah, this is making my tummy hurt, though. Yeah, well, I'm I'm not drinking any more of mine. Yeah. It's all right. All right. So today we talked about three questions from your sermon yesterday. Uh, your sermon delivered on August eighth. We drank some caffeine. Told a little story about Wesley, and you know, talked about <laughs> his uh, his issues in marriage. Um, poor guy. <laughs> and poor ladies who tried to yeah. love him anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what is the takeaway? Like, what is the one thing you would want our listeners to remember and the one thing you would want our listeners to actively do this week to grow in their faith? Um, I would say... The big thing to remember um, is that while the standards for the community are are high, right? Um, this is not, you know, Methodism is not supposed to be an easy way of going. Mm-hmm. Um, the resources for living that kind of life are there. Yep. Um, so the standard is high, but the resources to grow into that standard are, are available. Um, you know, it's, it, it is a team mindset to, uh, discipleship. Um, you know, one of the, the things that we see with any good team is that there's high accountability. Mm-hmm. There is uh, high expectations. Mm-hmm. But there are also the resources in place to make it so those those high expectations are achievable. Yeah. Um, yep. And I think this is precisely what um, the Wesleys did. Um you know, they created these these communities of high accountability, high expectation um, within wider Anglicanism of their day. Um, and because of the class meetings, because of the band meetings, um, because of the other resources that were part of the Methodist societies, these high expectations and these high standards were achievable and they're achievable today. Yep. You know, the, the way to take steps towards that, you know, the first step is joining a council discipleship group, um, is being in relationship with people who on, you know, a weekly basis and likely at some point during the week are going to be like, Hey, so what's going on? Where, um, where are you experiencing, um, you know, victory? 
over sin? Um, how is God speaking to you through your prayer time? How is uh, the scripture becoming real in your life? Um, how goes it with your soul? Yeah. Um, and for people who are listening and a part of Trinity, uh, you offer an accountable discipleship group right now on Monday nights. Sunday, Sunday nights. nights. Sunday nights. What's wrong yeah. with me? Sunday nights. Uh, and then I am going to be offering one on beginning Thursday, uh, September 9th. All right. So so your takeaways are? Uh, Standards are high. That's And that's okay. But resources are there to make it happen. And so that's um, that's what you want people to remember. And then the next step for people is to get yourself into a discipleship group. Exactly right. All right. Well, Caleb, thanks for your insight today. Uh, it's been good to talk with you about discipleship. Um, listeners, I hope this encourages you in your walk. Uh, I hope that you stay caffeinated this week. And stay in love with Jesus. And we will be back soon. Or maybe I should say, and attend upon the ordinances of God. Oh, stay I'm- caffeinated. Attend upon the ordinances of God. Take care, listeners.